Thanks for listening to the Lunch and Learn with Dr. Barry, here to help educate, motivate, and put you on the right path to take control of your health through weekly discussions on topics in the medical field, public health arena, and in your community. And now your host, Dr. Barry. All right, so we are back for another edition of our Men's Health Series. This is Men's Health Month, depending on when you listen to the episode. I'm your truly Dr. Barry. Last week, we kind of talked about the discussion of just talking about men's health and why it's so important. This week, I'm going to get even more specific. I'm going to be talking about not only mental health, which is a topic that I probably could have just focused on the generality of just mental, mental health and focusing on the men, but because I am who I am, I wanted to focus on black men and see exactly what are some of the specific stressors that black men have to deal with in regards to mental health. So I want to run off just some facts and figures. If you know me, if you've been following, if this is your first time, one thing I love to do is talk in facts and stats. And then I like to follow it up with some of my personal you know, opinion or discussion. Because I think what happens a lot, especially, you know, you guys are constantly, you know, bombarded with this health-related news or health-related topics, or you see in content creators kind of, you know, giving their personal thoughts, but not necessarily backing it up with facts. I like to back it up with facts. So let's go over some facts right here, just so we can kind of get an understanding. Why is it that Dr. Bayer Pierre is so focused on not only mental health, obviously, because, you know, my wife's a mental health counselor. She's going on a doctorate. So I got to be focused on that. But more importantly, mental health in the Black American community. This is why I want to focus on it. Black Americans experience similar rates of mental health illness in this country, but you wouldn't even know it. And I reason why I think that is because it's not as um, popular to discuss how one segment of the community is affected by mental health when another Second, the community is also affected by mental health, but then their actions aren't blamed on other issues, right? Whether we're talking about when you're living and growing up in a socioeconomic status where you're on the lower end, right? Where you're having to make decisions on whether am I going to eat, whether am I going to pay rent, or whether am I going to pay for my medications. These are decisions that a lot of our communities typically have to face. And then our actions, aka, hey, I don't have enough money to eat. I don't have the money to pay my bills. I'm going to do something maybe illegal to do something with. We we never attributed back to the mental health stresses of it all. We just say, oh, it's just that community. So not shocking or surprising there. Black adults living below the poverty line are more likely to report serious psychological distress compared to those who are financially secure. And I think this makes sense, right? If you're poor, you're going to have more stressors in your life, right? So we expect that to kind of fall in line. Depressive symptoms among Black individuals are more disabling, persistent, and resistant to treatment. We're going to talk about this later on, but think about that. Just because we have the depression symptoms, but because we're in the communities that we're in, is going to be much more resistant to treatment, much more forceful on us from a mental health perspective, right? I thought that was extremely important. And, you know, I love numbers. Only 26.4% of black and Hispanic men ages 18 to 44 who have experienced daily feelings of anxiety or depression have actually used mental health services. You've seen me talk a lot about the fact that, yes, it's okay. And it's one thing that I have the services available. 
Like it's one thing to be able to go to a place where the service is available, but it's another thing to actually use them. So we're seeing quite often, especially in our communities, that not only are we not, you know, not only do we not have access at the rate of other communities to that level of service, but when we do, we're not even using them to its fullest ability, right? So not shocking or surprising there. Black men seeking same risk mental health providers may struggle due to a lack of representation. Of course, if you follow me, if you watch this, uh, if you watch me on my channel, subscribe to my podcast, whatever you're listening to, it's not common to have a black professional, especially in our field, being the lead head, right? So imagine if you say, you know what, I want to get some mental health counseling, right? I want to talk about my feelings. I want to talk about my, my depression. I want to talk about all of the stress and anxiety that I'm experiencing, but I only want to do it to a, a not only a professional who's black, but a professional who's also happen to be black and a male, right? All of a sudden, your numbers, right, just do, 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 dwindle. And this is how you can have a significant contingent of population. We kind of mentioned 26.4%. We have a significant population need the services, but not use the services. Because when they go to use the services and they say, hey, I want to talk to someone who looks like me and who may have who have my who may have my same mannerisms, who may come from the communities that I come from. When I go to do that, I can't even find anyone who looks like me. Right. So shout out to, you know, therapy for black men, therapy for black girls. Right. You know, organizations that are specifically focused on saying, hey, we know you're looking for help. We know you're looking to deal with your stress. We know you're looking to deal with your anxiety. But guess what? I know it's maybe difficult to find someone. Guess what? Come to our place and we have it lined up for you. Sorry to break your concentration. I know you're probably knee deep into today's episode, but do not forget, check out our Lunch and Learn community store, shop.drberrypierre.com. Remember to use the code EMPOWER10 and make sure you are leaving us a five-star review, especially on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Thank you. Now back to your regularly scheduled podcast. That's why that's important, right? Because, and I know I don't have to, you know, um, I've had Dr. Joy on the show before. I don't have to explain to you that when you say, hey, I'm going to be therapy for black girls, that there's going to be some people say, well, why do you need to have therapy for black girls, right? There's some people going to invariably say that. My wife deals with it all the time. She's the CEO of Autism in Black. And every single year when we do our conference, every single year, someone will be like, well, why do you have to say Autism in Black? What does the color matter? And when you have to ask yourself, why does color matter? Then you've already answered the question because then you're saying, all right, I don't even recognize that there are structural differences, access related differences, you know, even from a, a professional standpoint, professional related differences in the way color affects how I deal with the disease. So if you can't even recognize that, then you say stuff like, why does color even matter? Like why did why does Dr. Barry have to focus on mental health in uh, African American men, right? Like why does he have to do that, right? If you ask yourself that question, then you are essentially saying, "Hey, I'm assuming that it's all equal across the board," and clearly it's not. Black individuals are less likely to receive guideline consistent care or be included in the mental health research. So again, so not only are we less likely to get the treatment, not only are we less likely to use the treatment that may be available to us. Not only are we less likely to see someone who looks like us when we go to seek that treatment, 
when we finally say, you know what, I'm going to get past all of these barriers and I'm going to go get that treatment that I'm looking for, then all of a sudden the guidelines are out the window. All of a sudden, you know, what you would typically do for one client, you're not going to do for me. Right. So this is why it's so important to focus on the community and say and say it out loud. Hey, I'm focused on black guys. Right. I'm focused on the black women. Right. That's why it's so important to say it, because even when you cross all of the hurdles that are put in front of you. Right. Whether it be for socioeconomic reasons, structural reasons, or systemic reasons, even when you cross all those barriers, all of a sudden we get there and we don't get the same level of treatment. I talked about this, especially when we talked about just how people interpret pain and how for some reason, even our medical students, our medical residents, our new fresh attendings are assuming that black people experience pain less than white people, right? Like this is the reality that we live in, especially in healthcare. So when, when we think about how does mistrust occur, that is how mistrust occurs. Right. They say, hey, you got this system that when I look at the system, the system doesn't look like me. Don't trust it. Hey, you have a system that, hey, I'm looking to partake in the system. I can't find it. Hey, you have a system that even when I pass all of the barriers, you don't treat me the same like you treat someone else who is not black. That is how mistrust occurs. And I've talked about this ad nausea, especially when we talk about the pandemic and COVID vaccine and just vaccinations in general that a lot of people aren't anti-vax, right? They're just afraid. They're afraid and they don't trust. They're not afraid of the vaccine, right? They're afraid of the system that that vaccine came from. They don't trust the professionals within that system. So they blame the vaccine, right? The same thing here, right? When you're trying to focus on your mental health and you can't find the right people to take care of you, or even if you find someone who's willing to take care of you, they don't take care of you equally. That's that's how problems arise. Hey, what's up, everybody? It is your truly Dr. Barry Pierre with another commercial break for the Lunch and Learn community members. If you've been asking, hey, you know what? What can I do to get more involved with the Lunch and Learn community? What can I do to get more involved with Dr. Barry? I got something for you. This year, we have launched the Lunch and Learn Patreon community where you get access to a private Discord, access to live Q&As. Depending on the tier you select, you can even become a producer on the show and choose your next topic that you want to hear and even suggest guests. So I want you to do right now after listening to this episode, of course, is join me at drbarrypierre.com slash Patreon. Check out the different tiers and join me in our private Discord today. So I always like to, you know, so I, you know, I had to make sure I got my stats in order, right? I had to make sure we got the stats in order, got the facts in order, just so people can kind of get that mindset. Of, all right, where are we going with uh, this week's episode? So we talk about this aspect of needing to highlight mental health, right? We talk about just mental health in general, especially with this month. Uh, again, month of June, mental health, shout out to mental health. And when we focus on how important mental health is, right? I think a lot of us kind of overlook it. And I, and this is not just for just men in general, but just in general, mental health is usually not one of those sexiest discussions that occur, right? I can tell you, I, I've talked about mental health a lot on this episode, right? It's not 
it's not my most popular episodes, you know, say the least, right? Like, uh, in fact, if I had a guest, I think if I had a look, uh, my most popular episode, like, in fact, one of them was like, was like sex related conditions, right? Like, like it's not the most popular episode, but it is the one that's so more important because again, you can be, you know, financially healthy. You can work on trying to be physically healthy, but if your mental health isn't there, guess what? It doesn't even matter. Right. And we know for men, mental health has always been this, I want to say taboo discussion. I've taken care of patients in my office. I've taken care of patients in the hospital and you would be surprised how many of them, especially let's say, let's, let's focus on my hospital patients. How many of them have suffered through so much trauma, right? They suffered a heart attack. They suffered a stroke. Their life has changed in a blink of an eye, but they can't really voice why they feel the way they feel. They can't really voice why they're having trouble sleeping. They can't really voice why, you know what, you know, they're just not eating well. They, they don't know how to say it. And it's for a lot of us, especially black men, right? For a lot of us, we've been told to inherit this level of, I like to say machismo, or is really what we know is toxic masculinity, right? This man up persona that no, I gotta, you know, I gotta, I gotta walk around like everything is okay. Even when you just, you'd have to be blind not to recognize that everything is not. So you have this stigma that gets put on us at a very early age of how we're supposed to act, how we're supposed to interact, how we're supposed to react to situations. And a lot of times the answer is just bury it. A lot of times the answer is just, just put it aside. Don't even think about it. Don't focus on it. Go to the next day. And because we start young, we start young, you know, not letting our emotions come out a lot. You know, not letting ourselves be free with how we feel, we carry a burden to adulthood. And with t you know who typically finds out that we got a lot of issues, right? Repressed issues. It's not the doctor. Guess what? It's the partner. It's usually their partner. It's their part, their intimate partner that finds out that says, "Hey, you know what? You got a lot of anger issues, right? You got a lot of stress-related issues, right? You're depressed." You're anxious. You're all of these things there. And it'd be from issues that they've dealt with as a child, but they just kind of say, ah, you know what? I got to man up. I got to go with the flow. I got to be able to do what I need to do. Right. So it becomes this hamster wheel approach of something happens to me. I'm going to suppress what just happened to me and not deal with it. And then something happens to me again. I'm going to suppress. And they keep on suppressing the stress. They keep on suppressing the anguish. They keep on suppressing all of these ill feelings and they just let it out. Uh, and typically on their uh, intimate partners, right? We know domestic violence, uh, especially for men, uh, is, is significant, especially with intimate partner violence because of all of the mental health related issues are concerned there, right? So when, when I talk about mental health, right? When we talk about this aspect of focusing on the discussion, we have to acknowledge, and again, this is what I talk about. You have to acknowledge the elephant in the room. You have to acknowledge that there is a stigma there that is attached to mental health in black men that we won't, we won't even allow to connect. We won't allow kids to be recognized. Imagine you're a kid and you're in a city and when you grew up, you, by the time you, you've turned 12 years old, right? 
you've had friends and family members murdered. Murdered, right? But somehow, some way, I'm supposed to act like that kid who's 12, 13 years old is okay? Is quote-unquote acting out? Like, like why doesn't that kid have PTSD? This, curse, this kid's a 12-year-old. They haven't gotten to middle school yet. And they know kids and family members who've been murdered, right? They know, unless they, we don't even have to go that extreme, they know what it's like to grow up and, and not have lunch, not have dinner, not have breakfast. They know what it's like to not have their lights on. These are kids that are having to learn how to suppress these normal feelings. And then they act out the way they act out. They don't focus in school Right. You know, they get in trouble. They do a little legal activities. Why? Because they don't know how to suppress it any other way. So then let's say let's say they pass. Let's say they they go, don't do illegal activities or, you know, they try to focus on school and they become an adult. Guess what? Now you have an adult who has not learned how to deal with the stresses that they had as a child. You have an adult who has not learned how to deal with conflict resolution. You have an adult who has not learned how to deal with with themselves in a situation where the stress and burden may be too much for them. Like this is what happens often for us, right? So if you're not acknowledging this stigma around mental health, there's no point for me to tell you about therapy for black men, therapy for black girls. There's no point for me to tell you uh, about these services, right? Because we haven't even cracked, we haven't even cracked the egg yet, right? And that's why I love Men's Health Month. And that's why I, I, this episode is so important to me because I want to make sure uh, that we're not only acknowledging it, but we're recognizing like, hey, can I do better? Like I have a lot of I have a lot I have a lot of healthcare colleagues who watch uh, this show. I have a lot of non-healthcare people, just people who just want to be a little bit more in tune with the health who watch or listen to this show. So and I like to always challenge the people who are listening, especially if you're a provider. If you're a provider, challenge yourself and say, hey, you know what? While I'm doing my discussion, while I'm doing my interview, while I'm getting that history of physical, am I getting down to the nitty gritty as far as this person's mental health? Am I asking the right questions? And if you're, again, you let's say you're not in the healthcare field, but you know, you got friends and family members, especially black men, right? Who, who are dealing with some things that you know isn't quite normal. Are you doing what you need to do? Are you asking the right questions and are you allowing them that space to not only answer those questions, but not answer them in a way where they feel it may be used against them? Right. I think that's what's extremely important here. Because when we talk about just how significant and I, I kind of, uh, you know, uh, pointed to it earlier, how, yeah, you could try to get, you know, good physical health and, and you know, good financial. You can do all those things there. But we know that mental health is such a significant component that for us men, that if we aren't doing the things mentally to get us right, guess what? We're not we're not going to eat the best way we need to eat. We're not going to work the best way we're not going to work. We're not going to be. So all of that, I like that triangle pillar of mental health, physical health, financial health. It, it doesn't get any better, right? Because you have this one anchor that is holding us down. And it's holding. If it continues to hold us down, guess what? We don't get better. We don't move in the direction we need to go to, right? So it's extremely important again to try to like attack the stigma. Don't act like the stigma is not there. Don't act like like ah, oh, you know, like they they should be over it. No, like we have to attack the stigma because that's how you can move forward and move us in the positive direction to get and feeling better, right? So what are some of the concerns, right? 
Um, I talked about depression, right? I talked about anxiety and stress. I talked about the PTSD and trauma, right? Like I talked about even substance use, right? We're talking about alcohol. We're talking about weed. We're talking about other hardcore drugs, right? Like how many people do you think are suffering from substance abuse issues? Like, or they drink all the time. They quote unquote party all the time because they're just trying to get away from the reality. Like, I want you to think about that. Like how many of, how many of us may know uh, a, a black man out here who, you know, drinks way more than they need to drink, who parties way more than they need to party, right? Who 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 is constantly angry, right? At the things that they're angry at. And then when you look, right, you can almost, you can almost trace it back to certain events that happened in their lifetime. But guess what? I, I can't acknowledge the person who drinks too much if I don't acknowledge why they drink too much. I can't acknowledge the person who is now using illicit drugs, right? If I don't acknowledge why, what are they doing to do it for? Why are they doing it for, right? I had an attending when I was a resident, uh, one of my favorite attendings, Dr. Kanner, who his main pimp question, we call it pimp question, right? Or educational questions, he liked to call it. His main educational pimp question was always was why? Right. It wasn't like, all right, what is the triad of what is virtual? No, it wasn't nothing crazy like that. It was why? Because, yes, you could tell me a person, you know, drank 10, 10 bottles of beer. Right. No, assuming that's a lot. Right. I don't drink. So um, 10 bottles of beer. Right. And someone's going to ask, someone's going to ask, well, why are they drinking 10 bottles of beer? Right. Like that has to be a question. Right. You can say a person is starting to use illicit drugs. Well, why are they doing that? Right, you can say, oh, this person is always angry, lots of anger issues. Why do they have anger issues? Right. He just always wants to ask why. And I think for men, um, especially black men, we aren't asking why enough. We're just not asking why. We're just okay with the fact that, you know what, they're they're saddened, right? We're just okay that the fact that, oh, you know what, they're really they're on the other X spectrum, right? Like they party all the time. They're drinking all the time they're smoking on they're doing all these like we're just okay with those extremes because we just won't ask specific questions hey why are they doing all that because what typically happens right yeah you yes you have a great time you drink drink for the weekend but once you stop drinking guess what reality is still here and for a lot of men their reality is not something that they like their reality is not something that they are um happy with Right. Their reality is not something that they're cool with. So guess what? They do the activity that gets them away from their reality. Right. Like they're they're anxious. They're stressed at work. They don't like work. They don't like the people at work. Guess what? They take it out on their partner. Guess what? They don't like the fact that they're stressing all the time. They don't have the money. Guess what? They go do something else. They go do some illegal activity. Right. Because like, hey, I got to get some money. Right. Like there are certain things that just men, right? And then now I'm not necessarily speaking of just black men, but just men in general, right? Men, we're kind of wired this way. And even a discussion like this, where we're saying, hey, we're talking about men's mental health, even a discussion like this, we'll get like, oh, I'm not, I'm not listening to that. I don't want to hear about that, right? Like that is how ingrained our thinking is, right? From a societal standpoint, from a stigma, stigmata, of just repress, repress, repress it until you can't repress no more. So I want to talk about just, you know, and I do want to kind of talk about the role of support because I think it's one thing to acknowledge, right? It's one thing to acknowledge, say, hey, 
I know why you may be dealing with some of the issues you deal with, right? Understanding the societal oppression, the stigma associated with, I, boom, I got that. And then it's another thing to say, hey, you know what? Because you've been dealing with all these repressed issues, this is how it presents, right? Like this is kind of the presentation phase, right? You're anxious, you're stressed, right? You got anger issues, right? You have, you know, you, you're partaking in substance abuse uh, related concerns, right? Like, boom, now I'm seeing the outwardly effect of the internal issues there. Now I want to focus on just, all right, who is there to support us, right? And I always say us, like I'm a black man, of course, right? Who is there to support us? Who should we be looking to when we are trying to get over, right? You know, these hurdles that are placed upon us, when we're trying to fight through the obstacles that are placed upon us, who are the people we should be looking at? When I always start with the family. I always start like, is there family support? Is there friend support? Because we understand that a lot of times because the, the, the mental health, that because of the mental health is not um, addressed appropriately, those are usually the first people that kind of get driven away, right? Family says, hey, you know what? I just can't deal with this anymore. You got to go. Friends are like, hey, you know what? I just cannot deal with, you know, you being unable to control your feelings. I got to go. Right. So family and friend support is vital when it's there, because those are the people who who have seen both sides. Those are the people who have might have seen you before the symptoms outwardly presented themselves. And those are some of the people who might have been there, who might have been there when those events and issues were occurring. Because we know you could put two people in the same situation. You could put two people in a situation where they they're they're living in poverty, that they're you know they're not eating because they don't have the money to pay for bills, or the lights are off. You could put two people in the same situation, and it's gonna affect one person one way. It's gonna affect someone a whole different way. Like we know that for sure. So knowing that, like recognizing, like hey, who are the friends who are still there? Who are the family that are still there? Because you're gonna need some support. And understanding that the support is a two-way street, right? We're not here. And I've, I have episode, I think I have episode a while ago where I talked about like, don't be the family counselor, right? We're not here to dump on our friends. We're not here to like dump all of the trauma and the emotional trauma associated with our mental health concerns on our friends and family, especially if they can't handle it. But they should know, right, especially as a friend and family, you should know that, hey, this, hey, I'm a shoulder to lean on. I may not be able to take everything you're dealing with, but I am a shoulder to lean on. Because a lot of times that feeling of loneliness, the feeling of, oh, I'm the only one dealing with distress, or especially for the toxic masculinity standpoint, oh, I'm a man, I'm going to have to take this upon myself, like just recognizing that people know that, hey, I have another shoulder to lean on is extremely important. Um, spiritual uh, reality, religion is important, right? You know, if, if just being able to kind of find someone to kind of decompress and whatever your higher power being you believe in, like I think is another route to go. Um, there are a lot of community related issues and just more important, like where, you know, you have organizations that are out there right? Who are saying, hey, we are here to support you along your journey, right? We're, we are here to help you find the help that you need, extremely important. And then if you have role models uh, or just people you can look up to, to say like, hey, you know what? This person 
been through the same stress. And this happens a lot, uh, especially for men, where we look to others and say, hey, you know what? They were in, you know, they lived right down the street. They they lived some of the same, you know, you know, harsh realities I had to live. And look how they came out. You know what? I'm going to use this person as a beacon of light. And what I what I noticed for a lot of the black men, especially especially when I'm talking to my mentees, when I'm talking to mentees, especially the men, when I'm talking to mentees and you start asking them like, hey, what, you know, how was how life? How was how are these things here? The the sense of surprise that always, you know, that I can always sense when they're like, wow, you went through this, too. Like, oh, wow. You had to experience this, too. Oh, I'm not the only one dealing with this. Like that sense of surprise is always um, enlightening to me because it just kind of re re, you know, you know, re kind of reaffirms the fact that a lot of us have led to believe that the stresses that we're dealing with, we're the only ones dealing with it. And because we're the only ones dealing with it, we're the only ones who can solve it. Right. Like, I think that's the problem. Like when you think you're the only person dealing with something, you assume that you're the only person who can solve it. When there's a lots of different people out here who are willing to solve it, but you have to do like what we're doing today, right? You have to acknowledge that, hey, there's some problems going on. There's some issues that I just feel like I cannot deal with alone. I need some help. If if I don't, if if you don't get nothing from me today, asking yourself, especially as a black man, like being able to say, hey, I need some help to somebody. I don't say I'm not telling you you have to go online and scream it from the rooftops, but you should have someone to be able to say, I need some help. Because if you don't, right, we know that the stress is just going to because what that one thing about stress, stress doesn't stress has no problem sitting where it's at. You keep that stress in your heart. Guess what? I'll, I'll sit with you forever. Right. I'll I'll let you have to deal with me forever. I'm not going to just go away. So if you don't. If you don't recognize like how important it is to say, hey, I need to get this stress off of me or find a way, right? So it's not burdening me, you're going to be in trouble. <laughs> and uh, let me make sure, I want to make sure we, we touched on everything there. Um, yeah. I mean, so that's, I mean, that's kind of, yeah, that's the, we'll, we'll probably talk about that later as far as just mental advocacy policies. That's, that's more of a systemic approach. Uh, but today's episode, I just wanted us to kind of focus more on the individual, especially the black man, right? Hey, black man, I, I just want to let you know uh, that the stresses you're experiencing, um, I've likely experienced or someone in your community likely experienced, and it's not going to be the end of the world. And you just need to be able to reach out and touch someone to say, hey, I need assistance, right? Friend, a family member, church, right? You need to be able, because again, you can... You can fake in front it all you want, right? Uh, you you can act like it's it's not that big of a burden all you want, especially when you're young. But I take care of a lot of 50, 60, 70 year olds who that stress continues to succumb them because they didn't know how to deal with it, right? They didn't know how to not necessarily, I don't want to say deal with it, uh, absorb it, not and more make sure it lightens the load. They didn't know how to deal with it. So yes, they tried to get, you know, the, they try to get the physical health going. They try to get the mental health, the uh, financial health going, but it didn't matter because mentally, mentally, they just weren't prepared uh, to go where they needed to go. Right. And I think that's that's why I like when a month like June comes around and we can only like we only well we should. We should only be talking about 
men's mental health, right? Like, or just men's health in general, um, because there's so many different aspects in this. We act like we're so busy that we like, ah, right, well, well, I'll just deal with my health later, right? And a lot of times later, um, by the time later comes, it's too late, right? So if you don't get anything from me, um, recognize, acknowledge, hey, you know what? I may have some mental health issues I may need to address, right? And I understand that because I'm a black man, this mental health issue that I need to address uh, may be much more uh, of a burden than even I'm letting on. I can only be as strong as I want. I, I can't, right? But you know what? This this burden may be much more than you know I, I choose for, and I need the help, right? So get, go get the help, guys. Yours truly, Dr. Barry. I'm going to see you guys next week. Thank you for getting to the end of the episode. I am yours truly, Dr. Barry Pierre, favorite board certified internist. Like always, remember to subscribe to the podcast, leave us a five-star review, and more importantly, share this to at least two of the five of your friends and family members that you know that could be empowered with the words that you heard today. Again, so appreciative of all you guys' support. See you guys next week.